from Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 450. That's a nice number. Uh, today's show is brought to you by our three excellent sponsors, Fitbot, Electric, and NetSuit. And it's my pleasure to introduce Mr. Stephen Hackett to the show. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Federico. How are you? Doing fantastic. I forgot to say my name in this, <laughs> in this intro, but I, I'm assuming that people can tell who it is. It's Federico, by the way. Yeah, or 450 in. I mean, people, yeah, people I mean, know you, us. You got to assume that people could tell. But hey, maybe mm. somebody was surprised. Maybe somebody was like, hey, who's this person? Didn't say their name. But yes, it's me. Speaking of surprises, we are joined by everyone's favorite John, John Voorhees. Hey, bud. Hey, Stephen. How you doing? I am good. Thanks for uh, stepping in today. Mike is out. Yeah. He's got some travel going on. And we said it, we haven't had our friend on in a long time. And so uh, here we are. I'm not even sitting in Federico's lap for this episode. I mean, I've, it seems like the last two times I've done it, I've done it in Federico's old apartment, which was a little, a little crowded shoulder to shoulder, but I'm sitting at home at my spacious desk and, you know, it's good to be here. And you're slightly unalive Mac Studio. Yeah, my Mac Studio has, has had some real troubles, but you know, it's, it's on the mend now that I've got a brand new user account. That's good. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad it's it's looking up. Uh, you've been retelling some of that story on App Stories, and it's uh, you've been through the ringer with that computer. I really oh, have, and, and especially it's like always comes at the worst time when I've got something that I have to get out, and, and mm-hmm. here I am stuck. You know, spending. I spent last Saturday. I spent four and a half hours on the phone with Apple support. Oh, I don't <laughs> wish that on anybody. Oh, we have a, a little bit of follow up around the Beats Studio Buds Plus. This is uh, the earbuds that were foretold by the Mike Hurley Top Tech Tip Line for tips. Right. They are yes. available for order today. They are translucent. They look incredible. They are amazing. And I wish that Apple would make everything translucent, like in the good old days. Uh, you know, it's, it's a whole vibe. You know, imagine having this and and an iphone that's tr- translucent and maybe you know maybe a little computer like a, a translucent mac mini that would be so sick um i've been hovering over the purchase button on the italian apple store steven and john and john knows i can't buy this yet because it says they're coming soon they're not available i like i see them it says new um shows all the pictures of the transparent version but it says not yet available uh, we can get them in two days here federico and i am i'm thinking about it it may be time for my big apple buddy again the real big apple buddy being me not not the people in new york no not, not those people the real one from north carolina the big apple buddy from north carolina um who sends me stuff occasionally so We'll see. I, ideally, I would just get the Italian version. Um, but with this, usually with these things, it means like the the product page is up, but it's not going to be available for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to have those before my travel to WWDC so that I could test the noise cancelling on a plane. That was my idea. But we'll see. Uh, however, the design, I mean, it's so beautiful to look at. Look at this. You can see all the stuff inside. Yeah, I like them a lot too. It looks awesome. Uses USB-C for charging. There's no wireless charging here. And mm. there's no in-ear detection. So the thing where you take the AirPods Pro out and they stop. Oh, interesting. And according to The Verge, the ANC and transparency is maybe not quite as good as the AirPods Pro. 
but they come in at 169 that is 20 dollars more than last time but uh these things are popular and this looks incredible and i hope we see much more of this sort of design language so i want to talk to y'all a little bit about automation april today mm. you published the winners of the shortcuts uh shortcuts what shortcuts like uh contest cage match for shortcut yes. creators <laughs> uh there's a bunch of awesome things in here you guys sent me this list uh last night and i downloaded a bunch of them and played with them uh could you all run me through some of your favorites and and how you feel like it went this year yeah it's we got a great crop of entries this year well over 100 and you know we were fortunate enough to have a a great panel of judges to help us get through all this but at the end of the day we picked our our six winners and i'll start off by talking about the best everyday shortcut which is kind of a category that's special to me and federico i think because it's it's meant to emphasize that a shortcut doesn't have to be complicated to be good. Mm -hmm. And so this year's winner for that was Jason um, Bietic. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, with a shortcut called Yes More Events. And Yes More Events is, is a great title, a great name, because it really, it's it's a play on no more events. When you get your calendar widget or your complication on your watch, and you see you have no more events for the day, it's really a waste of space. And so what this shortcut does is it grabs a couple of overdue tasks from the Reminders app and puts them in a pre-populated a calendar event that occurs at like 11.45 p.m. until midnight. So that when you get to the end of your day and you've got all of your, your meetings and appointments taken care of, you've still got something there that has some valuable information in it with a title that shows you the, you know, how many, how many tasks are overdue and then a notes section that shows you what the tasks are. So that if you have a little free time, you can knock those off and it could be, it's a shortcut that could be easily adapted for other things too. You know, you could put a, an inspirational quote in there or something else. It's a, it's a pretty cool one. And apparently Jason is in the Discord right now and just found out oh, awesome. that he won in this category. <laughs> yeah. oh, well, congratulations, Jason. <laughs> you got to go read Max stories more frequently. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I love that. I love that shortcut. Um, personal favorite of mine is, I mean, we're going to talk about the, the best overall shortcut in a, in a couple of minutes. Um, the best media one by Joshua Dick, uh, the, uh -huh. the best media shortcut, Q Media. I love this one. So the, the idea for this is kind of simple, but yet so effective at the same time. Um, so Q Media, it answers the question of, I want to save music or video for later. I don't want to have to choose between multiple extensions to save that content. So what the shortcut does, it lets you use a single shortcut called Q Media that depending on what you're sharing via the share sheet. It understands if you're sharing music from Apple Music, Spotify, Deezer, Bandcamp, or if you're sharing a video from YouTube, Vimeo, Twitter, I forgot which other sources. So it checks that, and then depending on whether you're saving music or video for later, it uses the native actions for Play by Marcos Tanaka or Music Box, also by Marcos Tanaka. So the idea being... There's these two apps made by the same developer. One of them lets you save videos for later. The other lets you save music for later. Instead of using two share extensions, you can just use one shortcut 
in the share sheet that understands the type of content you're sharing on its own automatically. And I just lo love that idea because it, it sort of becomes this catch-all, kind of like a read-later shortcut, that it's very low friction. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of playing music box, so this was kind of perfect for me. Uh, I just I love this idea and how it does the checking of the type of content you're sharing. Very nicely done. Yeah, the another one that uh, that won an award was for productivity shortcut is Jan Damshower's meeting notes for Obsidian. Now, this is to me was kind of a, an interesting one because you know Obsidian has an awful lot of automation tools built right into it, and I think a lot of people in the Obsidian community really stick to those automation tools, whether it's community plugins or some of the other features built right into the app um, you know, by default. But this uses shortcuts. And I've actually found myself this to be, that shortcuts is a great way to create templates. And that's what this shortcut does. It combines information from your calendar with text actions and generates a format for meeting notes with, you know, things like attendees, the dates, uh, the meeting title, and a place to take notes about it. So it, it just kind of pulls all that information together in one place and then uses a community plugin called Advanced URI mm -hmm. to save that to Obsidian because the the, the uh, standard URL scheme for Obsidian doesn't have the ability to do that. Advanced URI allows for the creation of a note with content in it because all that content gets encoded into the URL, then dropped into Obsidian where it is saved in whatever folder you pick when you install the shortcut. I think one of my favorites is the one that won best Mac shortcut that lets you use yes. a QR That's code a good on one. Mac OS because... I mean, it's like ridiculous because I've been in this situation. I'm sure a lot of people have like, oh, there's a QR code on this website and I want to do the thing at my computer, but yeah. I got to, I got to get my phone. I got to like open the camera, use their new weird UI, which isn't as good as the old one. And mm -hmm. so this one, it uses like a web API to basically, I guess, look at the QR code and then figure out what you're supposed to do with it. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, it's a really nice, really nice thing that to be able to do that with uh, with the Mac because it's not it's not built in. I want to talk about the best overall shortcut. So the the best overall shortcut is called Inline Converter, and it's made by Dylan Mock. In fact, Dylan Stephen won last year for one of your favorite shortcuts, the Meme Maker. Shortcut. That one is very good. <laughs> right. That was very good. And it, Dylan won last year in the best everyday category and came back this year with Inline Converter, which is such a genius idea, I think. So Inline Converter was inspired by something that is missing on macOS, which is the inline unit conversion stuff that Apple added in iOS and iPadOS 16 but they didn't add it in macOS Ventura. I'm referring to the ability to just select any text on iOS. And if it contains like a unit of length or temperature or, you know, currencies, whatever, it automatically converts that for you. And even if you don't select the text, sometimes those stuff, you know, those, those things, they get underlined. And so you, you can tap those and it's like a data detector and you got a little pop-up with your conversion. Excellent feature, but it's not on the Mac. And so Dylan had this idea for, well, what if I made a shortcut that sort of brought that functionality over to macOS? And it works beautifully in that you can select any text and Inline Converter works as a quick action on macOS. 
So you will find it in the services menu. And for any text that matches units of length, uh, weight, volume, um, temperature, and I forgot what else, you get a pop-up. After running the shortcut, you get a pop-up that says, here's all the values you may want to convert. Like, for example, in when you convert Celsius, you get a pop-up with Celsius, Fahrenheit, and Kelvin temperatures. Uh, sort of like it works on iOS. Uh, and the beautiful thing about this shortcut is that I mentioned macOS because it was designed for macOS, but you can totally use it on iOS and iPadOS. In fact, it's so fast to use, I pinned it to my iPad dock, and whenever I want to convert something quickly, I can just run the shortcut from there. And the beautiful part is Dylan did a lot of work to match all possible sort of permutations of how you, you may find units written down as text. So there's a lot of regular expressions in the shortcut. You never see any of this. You, you never see any of this complexity. But behind the scenes, Dylan did a lot of work to, for example, all the different, different ways you can, you can spell uh, and write centimeters. So it can be centimeter or centimeters or cm uh, or cms. Uh, could be with a space, without a space. And all those things are things that when you're writing regular expressions, it takes a lot of work. And he did all of this for all the five, I believe, different categories of units that are supported. Yeah. It's a beautiful work in terms of the structure and the code of the shortcut with a very clear idea, with the flexibility of being able to say this works as a quick action on macOS, but it also works if you run it manually. It also works from Siri. It works from the share sheet. It works from a bunch of other places. And it's just, it's, it's useful. It's actually a useful thing to have. So um, Dylan is one of, the, one, of, one of the best shortcuts creators out there at the moment, I think. And so having this kind of recognition, we, uh, I and John and the team of judges, we, we felt like, yeah, this is, this is the one that should win it all this year. Yeah, it's a really great shortcut. I, I don't want to forget uh, Tim Hump, who won with the best health shortcut too. Oh yes, right. Yes, Action Health. That one is also very good. Yeah, Action Health is really good because it it's built on a series of list actions, and it kicks off with allowing you to pick from a list to decide what workout you want to do, or whether you want to log water, caffeine, or your weight. And it's really pretty simple in that sense. But there was a lot of setup that went into it because it builds in a whole bunch of different kinds of workouts that can be started directly from the shortcut. You can at the outset, uh, you know, you can, you can delete the workouts that you don't do because it's a really long list and narrow it down to just Yeah, the, that was a cool feature. It's like, I'm never going to do an open water swim. I don't need it in here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's all, cause it's got really everything in there, you know, with, with emoji and everything to help make it easy to pick what you're doing. And this is a new category for us this year. We did HomeKit last year, which is a little bit hard to judge because sometimes it requires, you know, particular hardware. And the thing about the this shortcut is that it takes advantage of the action button on the Apple Watch Ultra. It can be used with a regular Apple Watch too, but it was really designed to be a one button press type of shortcut, mm -hmm. which I thought was really cool. And it really does, it shows that you can do some very interesting things with shortcuts on the watch, even though as Federico and I discussed on App Stories when we did our watchOS wishes, shortcuts on the watch is a very... <clears throat> is a very limited system. 
So that's uh, that's the list of winners. Yeah, I think they're all fantastic. I know talking to you guys behind the scenes the last couple of weeks, it seems like y'all are very pleased with how this went. So I think we're all can look forward to it again next year, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, now we're on the hook for this. So now we, we got to keep doing it. And, right. and, and I honestly think like we, we found a better balance this year in terms mm-hmm. of like content on the site, activities in Discord, uh, you know, stuff in Mac Stories Weekly, uh, the, the, the Plus and Premiere content. Like it's a, it's a nice sort of a way to, to take advantage of all the different things we do. And so, yeah, uh, I mean, hopefully next year, I don't know. Maybe we'll do best reality pro shortcut or whatever. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> hey, maybe we're gonna do uh, VR shortcuts, you know. Uh, but realistically, my hope for next year is that we're gonna have uh, more changes in shortcuts this year than we did last year, when you know it didn't really change much. And so, uh, I was also, I think it was challenging for people this year to come up with new shortcuts with new ideas. Um, because the actions that we got, the new features that we got in shortcuts in iOS 16, they weren't exactly groundbreaking. So no, they didn't really they didn't really open any new avenues for new types of shortcuts. Hopefully next year we'll get a lot of new ideas. But yeah, that's done. Now we're gonna send up the prices. Uh, I believe Dylan, I gotta get in touch with Dylan. Dylan is based in New Zealand, so it's probably take a boy. If we had known that, we wouldn't have given him a prize. <laughs> we have to ship, but. <laughs> <laughs> See, the thing is, we we don't know who the winners are until we picked the um, the shortcuts, and then we ask Alex, "Hey, uh, give us the data." Like, I have no idea. We had no idea who won until we asked Alex at the end, "Get the info from the database." Um, so, okay, okay. So, yeah, so you're judging them blind, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's the idea. Because uh, and sometimes a few people put in their names in like the description of the shortcut inside the shortcut. So at that point, you're gonna know. But yeah. otherwise, I prefer to go in blind without any info whatsoever on who made the shortcut. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Fitbod. Getting fitter is one of those things that often has knock-on effects on other areas of your life that you might not expect, like having more energy and sleeping better but it can be hard to know where to start. That's why FitBod is an easy and affordable way to build a fitness plan that's just for you. FitBod learns about you, your goals, and your training ability, creating a custom dynamic program based on your experience and any equipment you have. This is all in an app that makes it incredibly easy to learn how to perform each exercise. Because personal fitness is not about competing with other people. You don't want to look to others and Try to do what they do. You need something that will work for you. That's when it sticks. And that's when you see the results you're looking for. Because everyone's fitness path is different. This is why FitBot uses actual data, your data, to make sure they customize things exactly to suit you. FitBot's powerful technology understands your strength, training, ability, studies your past workouts, and adapts to your available gym equipment. And your training plan will maximize fitness gains by intelligently varying intensity and volume between sessions. Overworking some muscles while underworking others can negatively impact your results. That's why FitBod tracks muscle fatigue and recovery to design a well-balanced workout routine. It comes with over 1,400 HD video tutorials shot from multiple angles so you can learn each exercise and it integrates with your Apple Watch, Wear OS smartwatch, and apps like Strava, Fitbit, and Apple Health. 
I've been using FitBot for a long time. One of my favorite things is that I can tell it if I get a new piece of gym equipment or maybe I'm traveling and I want to do body weight only. And it just reworks my workout for the day and moving forward, it learns from that. And it really becomes like an intelligent partner in your fitness path. Personalized training of this quality can be expensive, but FitBot is just $12.99 a month or $79.99 a year. But you can get 25% off your membership by signing up at fitbod.me connected. So go now and get your customized fitness plan at fitbod.me connected, and you'll get 25% off your membership. Our thanks to FitBod for the support of the show and Relay FM. So Apple continues to uh, release news in the lead up to WWDC. We got a couple of big stories this week from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to start with the one that is definitely right up y'all's alley uh, with Apple announcing new, quote, concert discovery features on Apple Maps and Apple Music. So, John, can you tell us a little bit about what this is? Yeah. So Apple did a couple of different things. They they built in a new category of guides into Apple Maps, which concentrate on on uh, music venues in a dozen or so cities. There are, there are c- cities in North America, in the United States, uh, Europe, in uh, Japan, and and Australia, as well as as Mexico City. So. There's a lot, a lot of venues in here. It's, you know, it's a little limited so far. There are roughly 40 of these, but if history is any guide, I think these guides will in fact expand over time. Because if you think back to when guides were first introduced in Apple Maps, I think it was like, it was either two or three years ago. There were only a few and they were like in LA, New York, London, and maybe a couple of other cities. And now... Anytime you visit a city of really any size, there are guides available and they're more like geographical guides as well. So it's good to see the the venues in there. You can pick up tickets even and see what shows are playing because a while back Shazam added a added a feature that allows you to see what what concerts are coming up. And so that Shazam feature, which was just in the Shazam app, has been integrated with maps. And then the second component of this is the set lists, which are really kind of a a new sort of playlist in Apple Music. It'll show big artists who are out on tour right now and compile a playlist, which I, I assume is presumably based on what they're playing in concert. And Yesterday, when I looked at it at first, it it was hadn't fully populated, but it is now. So if you go to the browse section, you can go into a dedicated section that just has these set lists, or you can search for them. And they've got, you know, they've got Sam Smith in there, and Taylor Swift, and I think Beyonce, and a bunch of other people who are out on tour right now. It's it's fairly limited. I mean, there's some information in there about the tours, but it usually is like a paragraph or two. But it's something that. You know, Federico and I have talked about this for years and years. Like, why doesn't Apple integrate music with more of the things that it does, more of its apps, more of its services? And this is a it's a first step. And I think it's it's kind of a small one, but it is also at least on the guide side and I guess on the the music side, too. It's editorial content. And I think Apple usually tends to start relatively slow with editorial content and build it up over time. So I'm hoping we'll see more of it in the future. 
obviously very very much thrilled to see this feature i think it's the right approach to sort of combine um, apple maps and apple music and have this all this sort of two-way street of integrations between them um that being said i mean it's obviously a small rollout do we know john what data set apple is using for uh for concerts and schedules is it bands in town are they using the yeah they're using bands in town yeah okay so but that means they're not they do not have like uh, how are they compiling the list of um like the actual set list for a concert that i don't know it's not really stated anywhere i assume that they've got an editorial team doing it yeah because i sort of wish that apple would just go ahead and use an excellent service that i've been using i believe since i was in high school so that's like approaching 20 years ago um setlist.fm such an incredible website that is sort of crowdsourced um databases for sort of what songs artists actually play in which dates of their tours and i don't think apple is using this otherwise they would have mentioned it so i think it's so obviously a small rollout um geographically speaking very limited Right. It's going to be a while before they're going to expand this to all major locations around the world. But still, this is the right idea. Like, integrate with Apple Maps and Apple Music, uh, bring in editorial content, have playlists for when they're actually, um, you know, w- what they're actually playing. And you could imagine down the road, like, okay, well, what if you could buy? I don't know if Apple want, wants to go down this road, but what if you could buy a concert ticket? from Apple mm-hmm. Music, using Apple Pay. Like, yeah. the, the potential is obviously there. And I mean, now that that Apple is effectively a bank with their own deb- credit card and whatever, like, it's not so far-fetched to imagine, okay, now you can buy concert tickets from Apple Music. And I mean, sh- surely in the United States, when you consider all the drama surrounding Ticketmaster yeah. and all that scene, like it does feel like a field that is ripe for more competition, healthier competition. So, you know, I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. The guides are quite good. I mean, I checked out the Chicago one for the alternative music scene because I know Chicago's venues pretty well, having lived there. And it did a good job of picking out some of the top venues. So, you know, I mean, it, it's a start. It needs to be in more cities, of course, but it's it, it seems like it's a pretty good start. Hey, l- let, me, let me ask you both this. Oh, what's the last concert you've been to? I went in October of October? 2019. October of 2019, ah, okay. I saw I saw uh, Frank Turner in Chicago. Okay. Uh, what about you, Steve? Stephen? Feel, uh, I think you've been to a concert lately. I'm trying to think. I know I saw Death Cab in 2019 in Nashville. Didn't you go see Jimmy Eat World at some point? Mm-mm. I think we talked about it, but I didn't go. Oh, we talked about it. Okay. I, honestly, I think that Death Cab show in 19 may have been the last one. No. Last last one for me was Liam Gallagher in, in February twenty twenty, like a week before the COVID outbreak in oh, Italy. Oh wow. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Liam, Liam was doing two dates in Italy, one in Milan and the other in Rome. Yeah. I I almost went to the Milan one, but then I went to Rome because it was obviously close to home. Uh, and it turned out later that the Milan concert was one of the first sort of like hotspots for the outbreak. <laughs> I bet. Wow. Wow. Dodged I'm seeing bullet there. <laughs> yeah. I'm seeing uh, Boy Genius right after WWDC. I'm doing telling Federico again to just make him jealous because I know he'd like to go. 
I am so jealous. Um, I I was wondering. I was wondering today. Um, you guys saw the uh, the the WWDC schedule that Apple put out yeah. last mm-hmm. night. They sent uh, developers who were selected to attend the um, sort of the keynote day uh, a schedule for what they're gonna do. And there's apparently like this evening activity at Apple I Park, saw that, yeah. which it seems to me like it could be a sort of a, a, a music performance by somebody. Could be. That's what I thought. Although I immediately saw developers speculating that it's like a, a headset try-on thing. I My mind went originally... Oh, why a night? Are going to make you try the headset I know. I, my mind went immediately to a to a concert too. I mean, Im- imagine imagine if Boy Genius... That would be cool. <laughs> do we know what do we know where Boy Genius is on June what what is it June 3rd? What's no, what's June 5? They're probably on the East Coast because uh I'm seeing them shortly after that, yeah. June 2nd they're playing in San Diego. Oh. oh. June 3rd they're at the Rose Bowl. Okay, so that's not too far away. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's okay. Southern California, but Okay. Yeah, they they are not playing on June 5th. They have a day off that day. If Boy Genius, if I'm calling, if I'm wishing into existence right now, Boy Genius playing live at WDC, I'm just, I'm going to lose it, guys. I'm gonna lose <laughs> yeah, especially it. since press access doesn't, does press access come with concert access in the past? Not necessarily. Uh, well, I will beg for it to <laughs> yeah, everybody so I. I know. So will I. <laughs> oh. this, this, I mean, I can't help but think about Apple's former entrance into this right of course you have like itunes ping and then we had apple music um connect where artists could go on it was like a weird thing oh yeah they could upload photos and stuff clearly that neither of those worked right and and this by having apple and its partners do it and not necessarily relying on artists to like have their pr person log into apple music connect on the web and upload photos right like that was all probably a terrible experience this seems, while much smaller in scope, at least at this point, uh, that's pretty exciting. But again, it's 10 cities worldwide right now. So they're, yeah. they're starting small, but mm-hmm. it makes sense to pull these different platforms together, right? That you have maps and music and like shaz- some Shazam stuff, maybe. And Apple has these different services and apps, and they don't always really like know about each other. Yeah. And I think this is a really interesting way to sort of like cross pollinate things a little bit more than they've done before. Yeah, next up, and, I, and I've been saying this for forever at this point. Next up should really be news. Like when I'm when I'm imagine if I'm using Apple Music. We talked about this on the show. Imagine if I'm using music and I'm like, I'm to to keep that example. Um, uh, imagine if I'm like re uh, in the album page for the record by Boy Genius. And there's a little expandable section at the bottom that is a, a curated list from Apple News for reviews mm-hmm. for the album. Like that could be that could be useful. That could be fun. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. But I agree that music is such like there's so many different things you could do with it: concerts, merch, editorial content, podcasts. Right? There's a whole other aspect of. Why are the Zane Lowe interviews and all some of the other, um, <laughs> yeah, some of the other presenter interviews? There, why are they so hard to find in Apple Music and subscribe to? Yeah, so it, it also feels like there's definitely potential for 
having a better podcast integration with Apple Music than what we have right now, which is like effectively right now you have those interviews are like any other music content, except they're not. They're not music. They're content about music. Yeah, I think Jason's complained about how they're presented in the app. Yeah, yeah. It's like those should be, those are more similar to video channels or podcasts than Mm -hmm. a music album. And yet you discover them and, and you interact with them as if it was another piece of music content in Apple Music. And I think that's wrong. That's the wrong approach. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot that Apple could do to sort of cross-pollinate between services. And maybe this is the beginning of something. Maybe it's just a one-off thing. But I hope it's not. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Electric. Turning a small business into an empire takes work. You have to keep your ear to the ground for things that will help you take it to the next level. But this can be hard when your attention is pulled in different directions. That's just the reality of being a business owner. The team over at Electric knows that small businesses, maybe like yours, face these challenges. And that's why they're on hand to help with time-consuming parts of your business, like standardized device security with best-in-class device management software, so you can implement best practices across the board and be ready to scale. Employee onboarding and offboarding can be done for you, saving you an average of eight hours per request. Electric can help uh, you with having just a single point of visibility into your IT environment to control your devices, networks, and applications, simplifying reporting that allows you to achieve and maintain compliance. If you're hearing this and you think your company could use some of the above services, but you're not sure where to start, Electric's experts will guide you through the process of establishing standardized IT processes for your organization. This stuff is just a reality as your company grows. We've definitely been through this where in the beginning, just Mike and I would just do things, right? But as we've grown, we've had to formalize things. We've had to bring other people on on board. And if you're struggling with the technology in your business, Electric can be a great partner to help with that load. For connected listeners, Electric is offering a free pair of Beat Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai/connected. That's electric.ai/connected for a free pair of Beat Solo 3 headphones for scheduling a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for their support of the show and Relay FM. The other big bit of news out of Apple this week uh, came with Accessibility Awareness Day, which is this week. And Apple is previewing some features that will come later this year. So, assumingly, in the next versions of iOS, iPadOS, macOS, etc. And there's really quite a few things in here, maybe half a dozen features or so. And I thought we could walk through them, starting with uh, assistive access, which is a new customizable UI for the iPhone and iPad. So users with cognitive disabilities can lighten the load of using their favorite apps. And Apple has a lot of screenshots, examples of this. They're in your story as well, John. Say the messages app, and instead of a bunch of buttons and a bunch of things going on, really simplifying that to make it easier. And I don't think we quite know how the customization works yet, but this looks very exciting to me. Um, and John, do you know if this is coming to third parties? Like if if I made a Mastodon client, could I kind of enroll it in this and, and make my UI simpler for, for people who uh, want to lighten the load? Uh, kind of yes and no. I mean, the way Apple explained it to me is that the, 
it comes automatically with the OS. So a developer doesn't actually have to do anything to have to, to include their apps, say, in this grid of giant icons if they, you know, if it's set up that way. Because one of the options is kind of a big chunky buttons on the iPad or iPhone with big text and high contrast, making it really easy to hit those targets and so forth. Uh, and so third-party apps can be included in that. And when you go into those third-party apps, you'll see this really big back button which is one of the features of assisted access that makes it easier for users to find their way back to where they, where they started. But the rest of the UI, the UI that the developer creates, I don't believe is has any special APIs to make something assistive access friendly. It's not, uh, you know, I don't, they, they weren't talking about it uh, this week and I don't think those APIs exist yet, but it would be nice over time to see the ability for developers to have that alternative UI. Yeah. The the other you know the other thing that can be done too with assistive access because it's really customizable. It doesn't have to be those big chunky buttons, which are what were shown off because they were so visual. But if someone is more text oriented, it can also be done. And I haven't seen a picture of this, but it's more like rows in a table. So I think mm. I, my sense is it's maybe more like looking at a spreadsheet or something and picking your apps from a list as opposed to having colorful colorful icons. Another feature that definitely gained a lot of attention was live speech and personal voice. So this is a new feature across the iPhone, iPad, and Mac that allows users who can't speak uh, to type responses that are spoken aloud on the phone. So it's kind of, I mean, it is text-to-speech, but the person is doing the, the text entry, if you will. Um, and you can also use this in in-person conversations. And what is really interesting about it is that if you have 15 minutes, you can sit down and record a bunch of randomized text prompts and it will build a facsimile of their own voice. So if you're working with somebody who maybe is at risk of losing their voice over time, that you can preserve that and then use that in these conversations. And that is just fascinating to me. And you know, a lot of these are AI powered, but Apple doesn't brand them as that. This definitely feels like something that is is definitely powered by machine learning or whatever under the hood. Oh, yeah. And it is English only at launch, which is a bit of a bummer that this isn't more international. But I think it really solves uh, a problem for a lot of people who would kind of be stuck with, you know, using a voice that doesn't sound like them, that they that doesn't reflect who they are. And this makes it much more personal, which I love. Right. There are already apps on the app store that are designed to do this, not with a personalized voice, but, you know, creating spoken out loud responses for people to use. And I know those developers are really excited about the option of being able to use a voice that's in a person's own voice. Um, from what I understand, once you re once you read these prompts, it it's using the neural engine on Apple Silicon and it takes hours for that to process hmm. but then at the end end you'll have your voice and i've you know i saw a demo of this it was very very short so it's a little hard to judge how good it is i have cloned my voice in federico's using 11 yes. labs technology and it, it's interesting mine i think was pretty good the intonation was a little strange at mine times. was horrible federico's was imagine federico sounding extremely american with only a, a hint yeah. A hint of his underlying voice. It was yeah. I sounded it, like somebody from Ohio. 
You did. You really, you really did. Midwestern teaching. It was, it was really pretty funny. But, but in the demo, I saw the woman who gave it um, had an Indian accent, and it handled her accent pretty well, which I know like Eleven Labs stuff doesn't. So it, it'll be interesting to see how this goes. I mean, I think you really have to listen to more than a couple of sentences spoken to really judge mm-hmm. how good the quality of the, the voice is. But I think it's still, even if it's not the highest quality, it's still a really nice feature for people to have who are at risk of losing their voices because of like an ALS diagnosis or something like that. And uh, of course, since we, uh, I shared this feature on Mastodon yesterday, I got a, a shall we say, a cluster of, of a type of people. You guys know the type of people I'm, I'm talking about. Like, uh, is there a name for the extremely, extremely privacy concerned folks out there like the people who see a potential like the people who think like some kind of state sponsored agency is after them even though they are absolutely not a high risk individual right i don't think so but i know who you're talking about <laughs> and i got a few i got a few replies and some emails from people saying no this feature is bad because what if now somebody told me over email uh, i'm not going to talk in public anymore if there are iPhones and iPads in the room because it means they're going to sample my voice and they're going <laughs> to make a good luck with that. fake version of my voice. Well, first of all, good luck with that. Yeah. But second, I think I think that's um, that's actually inaccurate because the, uh, iOS 17, supposedly, will let you... Um, make you go through these prompts where you got to read a random sentence, right? Right. Um, and what was the example in the story uh, of, of a sentence, John? was like... Uh, oh, I don't remember. It was like a very specific... Um, I'm looking it up right now. So, for example, one of the prompts that you got to read is grabbing a, cu- a cup of coffee this afternoon sounds great. And imagine, like, there's multiple of these phrases... Uh, actually, the screenshot says one of 150. So I assume you will have to read one of a, like, you will have to read at the very least 150 phrases for 15 minutes. I don't think that's accurate. That, that well, there was some... Well, the screenshot says one of 150. I know. It, that question was asked during the briefings and it was not clear whether it was actually 150. It's like 15 minutes. But let's say, let's say that we have, let's say that we have, I don't know, let's say 30. We have 30 phrases that you need to read that are totally random. Like maybe right. another phrase will be, yes, I think I will need to go out with an umbrella. Somebody, if they really wanted to quote unquote steal your voice, they will need to sort of social engineer you into speaking these random phrases, even though they're totally disconnected from each other, in a public setting with their iPhone out recording your voice. And so, I mean, you could probably tell if somebody is starting you asking questions that would generate this exact phrase as a response. It's impossible, yeah. right? No, you, you, you see, no, it's wait. impossible for somebody to sort of find a way to clone your voice without you knowing 
So I think that concern is kind of silly and uh, it, it is it is with Apple. I think it's a real concern potentially with other tools. I mean, I think it is yes. with with 11 labs. I mean, I cloned your voice and I didn't ask your permission and it, it did a very bad job. And, and I did that for five dollars. You can sign up for five dollars to generate a voice. You can generate up to three or four of them, I think. So it, there are tools out there to do this at, for very inexpensively. Um, uh, voices are cheap these days. They are. You know, they gotta, are. You, you gotta wonder why people pay for podcasts. Hey, um, yeah, we'll just uh, have to. Re- we'll hey, write no, a keep sw- paying. <laughs> keep paying. Uh, get we'll just write scripts product, and have them get go connected through the voices. Pro, no, don't tell him that, John. Go, get connected pro dot co and you know um, keep paying for the show if you are. Thank you. Um, so yes, I don't think the this can be abused because of how Apple design showed how this feature is gonna look like. Uh, when it comes out. Yeah, I would also point out that they said that this does not sync over iCloud by default because they were concerned about things like someone having an iPad in a household that is used by other people. So you can turn on end-to-end encrypted sync of these voices between devices, but by default, that's not enabled. It ha- it's an opt-in thing. Something that I found very impressive, and we had a a video in the story as well and john you you gotta understand Stephen, that john is so fancy these days he got the briefing and i didn't so watch <laughs> jay very very high-end you know fancy apple press member the point and speak feature of the magnifier how does it work it works a lot like door detection which we got last year where if you remember you point the magnifier app at a door and it will give you information about how to open it. Basically, it'll tell you whether it's open or closed and kind of what kind of handle it has, that sort of thing. And this is an extension of that. It uses LIDAR and the camera and text recognition. So you can, the, the, you know, the demo, the video we had in the story is of someone holding the magnifying app up to a microwave oven. And it does more than just read the buttons. What it does is as you put your finger over a button, it tells you what the text of the button under your finger is. So Whoa. it's read it all in it's read it all in advance. And as you get to the start button, it'll say start. And then if you move your your button your finger down, it'll say stop. You know, it'll do that kind of thing. It's really neat. And I it, it's designed to work with more than just appliances too. I mean, another example that was given was you know someone is in an office environment and is looking at a file cabinet and there are labels on the file cabinet saying what's in the drawers and it will be able to tell them what those labels say so they can find things without you know any assistance so it's it's a really cool feature i mean that's gonna make sense for like there, there's obvious potential there for a headset right oh yeah or definitely down the road like eventually glasses right the idea of you look at something and it tells you in this case like the the buttons on a on a microwave oven like that is an incredible functionality um obvious benefits for uh, you know uh, the accessibility community but just in general like incredible tech and i think there's a lot of potential here for something that you actually wear on your face and and it shows you information in front of your eyes as opposed to through the screen of a phone but still the, the magnifier app really becoming one of the most powerful and useful and life-changing, I would say, um, apps that Apple makes. Like it started as a fancy zoom button for right. the camera. Mm-hmm. And look look what it's turned into. So 
I would love to get the backstory at some point of the Magnifier app because it's 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 really grown into one of the most powerful things that Apple makes. Yeah, it's really it's become kind of this crossroads for both accessibility features yes. and features that maybe people who don't consider themselves needing accessibility features yes. also can benefit from because maybe they you know have a hard time reading a menu at a restaurant in dim light and so they use the magnifier and the flashlight to to magnify that. So it's a it's a really interesting app in that way to me. Um there's something in the in the grab bag list of changes that caught my attention. And I asked John about it. John, you know, in his fanciness, um, didn't have, unfortunately, any more details for me. So I'll just, I'll discuss this with both of you, including Steven and, and our audience. Shortcuts is adding, remember this, a shortcut for users with cognitive disabilities that creates a visual diary, diary in the notes app. My theory on this is not the notes app. It's the journaling app that they haven't launched yet. Yeah. Okay. 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 That's, that's where I wanted to go. Ah, that's good. So one. this to me smells like that, but also a, an evolution of the remind me about this feature that Apple added to Siri in, ooh, what's that? iOS 12? something like that, years ago. So in Siri, you can say, hey, thing, remind me about this. And most of the time, it should create, a, <laughs> I know, but it should create a reminder that contains a dip link that takes you back to the this, to the thing you're looking at. So if you do remind me about this and you're in Safari looking at a web page, it'll be a link to the page. If you're uh, looking at a location in Maps, it'll be a deep link to Maps. It's based on the NS User Activity API, the, the API that Apple loves to use for everything. Um, remember this and creates a visual diary in the Notes app. It sounds like an evolution of that, but I agree. If they're working on a journaling app, they're saying Notes now because they that that's what they got to do. I think this will probably go in the journal thing. Yeah, that, I think that's a great theory. I mean, I think the simple explanation is that it's simply a shortcut that'll show up in gallery one day that lets you save a screenshot to a particular note <laughs> or a, or a photo. I mean, I mean, you can do it today. Like if that's all there, that is like, you, no, you, I understand. You can, <laughs> you can build that today. Yeah. I mean, also a fun idea. Like you could make a shortcut that does get what's on screen, which is an action right now yeah. in, uh, in iOS 16, uh, create note, boom, that's it. Like you, you replicated that shortcut if that's the case. Uh, because right now what you cannot do right now, I'll, oh, it could, also, it, could also, it could also be notes instead of the diary app. Because something that is supported in notes today, but only if you save a note in a specific way is saving deep links inside Apple Notes. So native deep links to apps. You can save those, but only via QuickNote. Hmm. QuickNote is, it lets you capture a deep link to apps on screen or apps that you recently used. But if you're just creating a regular note without QuickNote, there's no way to capture those deep links. So maybe, maybe Apple is actually doing new things for deep links in iOS 17. I mean, this, uh, if I were to, if this were the 
Ricky's, Stephen. <laughs> Just a couple of weeks away. Because I could make I could make a case here for this is just a sign of a bigger thing that Apple is doing. In iOS 17, they're going to let you create deep links manually for whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And that could become the Apple-flavored way, for example, to create Wikilinks for oh, Apple yeah. Notes. Yep, mm. yep, absolutely. Because you know if they're going to do that, that feature, like you may have seen it in Obsidian, in Craft, in Notion... That could be a very Apple way to do it. Like, oh, it's not a wiki link. It's a, it's a whatever, deep link. Magic yeah. link, whatever magic you're going to call it. Magic link. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> there were a couple of Mac-specific things in the grab bag I wanted to mention. Uh, one is that made for iPhone hearing devices will work with M1 and M2 Macs. So these are class of hearing aids that integrate nicely with iOS. Perhaps the most interesting thing on the Mac is... Uh, adjusting text size. So I assume this is dynamic type coming to Mac OS. This has been an area of accessibility on the Mac that historically has been pretty poor. Their preview only shows a handful of their own apps like Finder, Messages, Mail. I think Calendar and Notes were in there. But there's a lot of question about is this going to be something system-wide? Because as many ways to, to do text in an app on iOS as there are, on the Mac, there's even more. And we've all been in a uh, situation where like you want to use dynamic text or you want to help somebody set it up. And like the one app they really needed in, it doesn't support it very well. Or it's like very clearly broken. They didn't really test it. And so I'm curious how Apple will do this on the Mac. Is it going to be something that gets added to, I mean, a bunch of these apps they listed are AppKit, but Messages is not. Messages is mac catalyst so like right is this coming to both AppKit and catalyst and a swift ui and if you use some sort of web thing you're on your own i just i want to know how this is going to to work because if you have only a handful of mac apps support this then it's going to be frustrating for people who want to use it or need to rely on it there is also a new voiceover feature where it'll sound the siri voices will sound more natural when they're played back anywhere from 0.8x to 2x. And while these are Siri voices and not human voices, I, I do wonder whether that is tied to technology that might be coming to something like Apple Podcasts with an overcast style smart speed feature for the Apple Podcasts app. Because you know now we've got that in voice memos mm-hmm. already. And now we're seeing it crop up in voiceover with the Siri voices. It's not a real stretch to imagine that coming to another app like podcasts as well. I really think they're going to do it this year. Like I, I, would, I, do too. I would be shocked if podcasts does not get uh, the equivalent of a smart speed or trim silence, whatever you want to call it, if it doesn't get it this year. Mm-hmm. And you know that, the, again, the Apple flavored way to do something that's sort of become something that you expect in third-party apps. But Apple comes out and says, we have this, but we've done it in, in a unique way. You know, magic if they're podcasts. Gonna do, <laughs> magic, vo- magic voices. Magic voice. Yeah. Hey, every every podcast has a magic voice if you really like the show. You know, that's, that's a nice way to think about it. But if they're going to do it, they're going to say, oh, this is all done by the neural engine on the device. And we analyze the voices and we make them sound even better so that you can, you know, you can, you can enjoy your favorite shows even more. 
thanks to the power of the neural engine and it's all done on device as you listen to podcasts. They don't even need to be downloaded, like something like that. This episode of Connected is brought to you by NetSuite. Being a business owner or working closely with one means knowing your numbers. And if your business is earning millions or tens of millions in revenue, stop what you're doing and take a listen because NetSuite by Oracle has just rolled out their best offer. NetSuite gives you the visibility and control you need to make better decisions more quickly. And for the first time in NetSuite's 22 years as the number one cloud financial system, you can defer payments of a full NetSuite implementation for six months. That's no payment and no interest for six months, and you can take advantage of this special financing offer today. So why is NetSuite number one? Well, they give your business everything you need in real time all in one place to reduce manual processes, boost efficiency, build forecast, and increase productivity across every department. Having all the information you need in one place makes it so much easier to make make decisions. I know as a business owner what a difference that can make and how much easier everything operates when information, good information that you can trust, is available. It means you can make better decisions and you can make them faster. This NetSuite offer is extraordinary, so join the 33,000 companies who have already upgraded to NetSuite and gained visibility and control over their financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more. If you've been sizing NetSuite up to make the switch, then you know this deal is unprecedented. No interest, no payments. Take advantage of this special offer by going to netsuite.com connected. That's N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E, netsuite.com connected to get visibility and control you need to weather any storm. Our thanks to NetSuite for their support of the show and Relay FM. Hey, before we talk about this thing you put in the notes, Stephen, mm-hmm. um, this is uh, this is not in the notes, but I have uh, I have a couple of things I want to share, and the first one is a confession. Uh oh. Ooh. I like Stage Manager now. Ah, on on the Mac. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, so, I felt that so one coming. This all started. This all started because John was making a case. So uh, you were saying before the show, Stephen, that John and I have a kind of like a toxic relationship. And in a way we kind of do, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's the good toxic, you know, it's not the bad one. It's, it's, that's a relationship where like John tells me, Hey, you should check this out. And I spend a bunch of money and I do. And sometimes I like it and other times I don't. And then there's me making John jealous of something. And it's like, Oh, I got to check out the thing that Federico does. And John spends a bunch of money or spends a bunch of time doing something and maybe he likes it or not. It's like this constant push and pull of what we do. In any case, the latest example of this being John telling me a few days ago, hey, you should really try Stage Manager on the Mac. And I got to tell you, it's been, a, it's been a bit of a shock initially. Um, and there's plenty of things that I would change. But I just had a moment as we were recording this when it did something that made sense. And I was like, hmm, you know, that's actually kind of nice. Um, I, I don't know. I, I 
feel like it makes a lot more sense. It makes a lot more sense on the Mac than iPadOS, where you don't have the limitations of four windows per workspace. You have the total control over the resizing. Um, so it's like that great combination of the multitasking and multi-windowing you already know and love, but with this little sort of guardrails around it, with this little structure around it, that if, again, even though it's not perfect, I feel like it's a much better pill to swallow than Stage Manager on iPadOS. Hmm. Yeah, I figured it would appeal to your organizational side. Yes, that's exactly what I'm liking about it because I, I like to organize things. Um, it makes me feel good to organize things, both digitally and like in the physical realm. Um, but yes, yeah. Um, Stephen, do you use it? No, I, you, I gave yeah, it a shot okay. early on and I haven't revisited it. So, you know, I've got, what am I using? I think I'm using Magnet right now as my window management uh -huh. thing because uh, I like the keyboard shortcuts it has. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I, need, maybe I need to give it another shot. Yeah, I mean, it's like Federico said, it really does need a lot of work. I mean, it's very frustrating that it's so mechanical to have to set up your stages in the first place. Yeah. But especially if you're working in just a handful of apps for a long period of time, it's pretty nice then. And, you know, it needs shortcut support. It needs keyboard shortcuts. It needs a lot of stuff, but it's not nearly... It needs a lot. It needs a it, lot. Yeah. It's just not as frustrating, though, as it is on the iPad. On the iPad, I feel like I have handcuffs on, especially as soon as I try to use an external display. With the Mac... It's an annoyance, but it's also that there's a benefit to it too. That I, it's because I've been using it full time really since since the betas last summer. I think part of it, I just turned it on, and the the immediate thing I hate is all the animation. Yes. Like so, how I use my Mac, like things overlap uh, a lot, and I do have I, I run Quitter by our friend Marco, mm -hmm. and it will hide apps. I don't have it quit apps, but I have it hide apps that are in the background over time. So over time, things slowly go away, you know, some things, but the, all the like zooming in and out and going back and forth, I just, I just don't need. Yeah. I feel like they need to calm down with these animations. Like we get it. You're Apple, you're capable of making these beautiful animations. <laughs> and I'm sure like, like I get it. Like you, you want to be proud of those and look, we all are, we think you do a great job, but like, it's fine. Like make it, you know. Maybe these animations, maybe, the, I don't know, maybe an idea, an idea for, for power users could be that maybe animations, they're like people, they age over time and over time <laughs> you stop seeing them because like they, they're not, those animations are not as young as they used to be when you first started using stage managers, maybe like, you know, like a year into using a, a particular feature, you don't you don't see the animations anymore because they aged and now you don't need to see it. Mm -hmm. In any case, they need to calm down with the animations. You gotta be able to label the workspaces in the strip on the left. You yeah. gotta be able to make like fixed presets for here's my podcasting workspace. And, and you can do that with spaces to a degree. You can. Right? You can yes. say always open this app in this space, even right. this space on this display. And yeah, I would like I would like all of those things to be true. But the biggest one is the animation, especially on a 
like a studio display where I was like, a giant Chrome window came swinging back in. It's like, okay. Ah, it's a lot. It's a lot of, it's a lot of swooshing and swooping all around. It was like, okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a very swoopy UI yes. for sure. <laughs> yes, it's like, okay, well, uh, here we go again. It's animating. It's coming into view. It's, uh, it just happened to me. Um, but there's, I feel like th- there's a lot more to potentially salvage here than iPadOS with the with if I guess Apple has chosen because by this time you know macOS 14 as I've decided to call it macOS Skyline I'm convinced that will be the name um I don't have any insider information there is no such thing as a TGT line um I also <laughs> don't want it uh it feels like too much pressure in my life. Is Skyline a place in California? That's what I asked him. Well, it's a it's a registered trademark. Oh, oh, it's a neighborhood in San Diego. It looks like there you go. MacOS Sky. I am convinced. I don't have any insider information. MacOS Skyline. I like the sound of it. Oh yes. By this time, things are locked. And yeah, they're done. Decided. Right, like the- <laughs> They're done. They're done. Uh, they're probably already using beta two of <laughs> whatever they're building. But if Apple decided to put in the work, I think there's there's plenty they could do with Stage Manager on the Mac. There's a lot they should do with Stage Manager on iPadOS. But I'm liking the organization. And uh, just a few minutes ago, I was clicking a link and it took me briefly into another workspace. And then when I was done, it took me back into my previous workspace. And yes, I could use fewer animations. I could use some general speed up of the whole thing but it's nicer uh, than iPadOS and the second thing I, I told you I had two things it's more like a like an open uh, ended question for people I'm just wondering what everybody's using as a notebook for Zelda Tears of the Kingdom like is, is the connected uh, are the passionate ones using Apple Notes Obsidian dedicated apps uh, to keep notes for Tears of the Kingdom Steven, I'm familiar. I'm assuming you are familiar with what Tears of the Kingdom is. Yes, but I don't know why you need a notebook for it. Oh, there's so much information. Well, oh, Bob. Well, let me, oh, Steven. Yes, for these games like Elden Ring, for do you know what Elden Ring is? Yes. Okay. So for these massive games that have tons of side quests and collectible items and things you gotta do, you gotta keep a a, a note, like a little note. You, you got to do something. In fact, Steam on, um, on PC is getting like a native note-taking feature, oh, which is genius. That. Yeah, they're getting uh, like in the Steam overlay, they're uh-huh. adding like a built-in note-taking uh, thing, which is genius because uh, like that notepad will sync across all of your devices, including eventually on the Steam Deck. So if you're playing something on PC and you take a note and later on the Steam Deck, you find the same note. Uh, but Zelda is on Nintendo Switch, of course. And right now I'm using Apple Notes uh, just because it allows me very quickly to either put down a link or some text or a screenshot of what I'm doing in the game. But I'm sure that people have other systems for this. And so if you're playing Zelda and you're taking notes about Zelda and you think you have a good system for taking your notes and saving locations on the map or whatever, let me know. Because, um, yeah, I, I'm... I'm looking for that sort of a solution. I got nothing for you, Tichi. 
Other than I know you've got nothing <laughs> because you've just been wandering around. You haven't done anything in this game. I wandered wandered out into the mountains and didn't even play the game. I just, you know, wandered wandered the countryside fighting people and using up all my resources. But yeah. Yeah, that's me. Before we go, I wanted to talk to y'all about uh, a story. It was linked on Mac Stories a while ago, and now it's sort of available to everybody, where uh, with Phone Link, which is an app for Microsoft, you can use iMessage from a PC. I think y'all have been playing with this, and I'm curious uh, how it works and how it's working out. Um, it's There's a lot of limitations in this feature. I've been tr- using it for a while, it it is convenient. I'll, I'll give you that. It is convi- It's better to have it than to not have it for sure. It's useful if you're on PC and y- you know you you have a paired iPhone. And so, for example, when I get a message from John, if I happen to be playing a game on my PC, I get a notification with that message from John, uh, so that I just don't have to uh, grab my phone and use the messages app there. I can just see the notification from my PC and reply from there. However, that only works for uh, one on, one-to-one message conversations. Like, it doesn't support iMessage threads at all. Hmm. It doesn't support groups. Uh, so you can only reply. It's, it's basically like it's a glorified version of car Bluetooth integration. Uh, it pulls all of your contacts, notifications, sort of like a, like old school Bluetooth cars could do, not CarPlay. I'm not talking about CarPlay. It's the same thing that lets you get like message notifications on like a uh, Fitbit and stuff too, I think. Yes, yes. It's basically that system, but on a PC with a nicer UI around it than you probably could have found on a Fitbit. You know, like... You have an app and you have two tabs for notifications and messages. You can see other notifications from apps. Of course, you cannot interact with them. I believe they do not get marked as red. So later, you're still going to find your notifications that you've already seen on PC. You're going to find those on the iPhone. But still, given the limitations, it's nice to have. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's a clever workaround for and I don't think we're gonna get any more than this. I don't think Apple. I don't think it's in Apple's top priority list to say, "Oh, we need to have better support for Windows 11 computers for messages and notifications." So, given the Bluetooth nature of it all, it's pretty okay. It's all right. It's a nice way to get notifications and to reply to the occasional message from your Windows PC. So it doesn't sound like it's gonna let people get the full iMessage experience. and No, absolutely not. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's more of a gap filler, it sounds like, really, like, as you said, Federico, when you are when you happen to be on your PC and maybe your phone's not around or you don't want to grab your phone, you can, you can fire off a quick message. S- something funny that it does, I guess because of, uh, like, security concerns, if you send, so if I'm on PC and via this app, I, uh, I send a URL to John... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, John, but I believe that by default, that URL does not expand into a rich link. You got to say tap preview. Oh, that's why I've been getting those. All right. Now I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Be- yeah. I think you're right because I, I've noticed that with you that sometimes I get those and they don't expand out. It'll just be, you know, like the... Tap to preview. It says tap to preview. Right. I think. Or yeah, they do right. not get a preview at all. Like, but... 
yeah, they kind of work, but not as they would normally work with, you know, iMessage to iMessage from an Apple device. Yeah. It always brings up conversations of iMessage on Android. And I think we all just kind of understand that Apple's not, Apple's not going to do that. Right. But why would they? Why would they? Right. The iMessage I mean, is a huge lock-in factor for their ecosystem. Exactly. Like even beyond even beyond the security concerns of using RCS or whatever Google is asking about. Even beyond that. So setting those concerns aside for a minute, from a pure business perspective, why would you when it's when it's become the thing to be a, a blue bubble in in iMessage conversations? It's such a huge lock-in effect. Much more so than iCloud or you know Apple Music. None of those services matter anymore for the locking effect. No, it's all it's all about iMessage. And so, why would you give that up? Yep, not until you're forced to, I guess. Right? I mean, that's really where what it comes down to. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, that about does it for this week. Before we let you go, uh, a reminder that we are in annual specials season here at Relay FM, where a bunch of our shows publish into the crossover feed that all of our members have access to. Uh, the Connected special is up there. A Genius is there. I think the Pen Addict uh, is this week. Uh, a bunch of good stuff coming. So if you are a member, be sure to check that out. And if you're not, now is a great time to join. Connected Pro is a longer ad-free version of the show each and every week. It's just 5 bucks a month or $50 a year. We'd love to have you join. Mike is gone, so we don't care you know, where you can find him on the internet. But if you want to follow Federico, he's the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net, and he is uh, on Mastodon.MacStories.net as Vitici. You can find me at 512pixels.net, and I'm on Mac Power Users every Sunday here on RelayFM. John, where can people find you? Well, you can always find me, of course, at MacStories.net. And on Mastodon, I'm John Voorhees, my full name. Awesome. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week. They are FitBod, Electric, and NetSuite. And until next time, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. See you later. Bye, y'all.